Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Back once again. It's the Between the Ropes podcast. I am Brian Fritz. He is Connor Casey. We've got WWE SummerSlam coming up this Sunday. So a lot to talk about when it comes to that. It's uh, the finals of the New Japan G1 Climax Tournament as well. Great timing by everybody by having a SummerSlam on the same weekend as the finals of the G1. And uh, we've got NXT TakeOver. Ring of Honor actually has a show on Friday night as well with uh, Alex Shelley getting back in the fold. And he's going to be challenging Matt Taven for the uh, ROH Championship. AEW has made some announcements this week. The NWA made an announcement right before we started taping this on a Wednesday night. So it's it's bedlam all over the place right now. It's 30 to 50 feral hogs just charging through and attacking kids. The one thing we still don't have an answer to, though, is who attacked Roman Reigns, which is like the big soap opera storyline that's going on in WWE right now. So last week, as we were discussing the whodunit, the whole thing was Roman Reigns got trapped under a scaffold backstage and then they said it was forklift error some forklift driver smashed into it by accident and they couldn't figure out who the forklift driver was because the forklift driver was sick and it turned out it was a temp right and then that matters everybody kind of looked into the videotape and said hey isn't that buddy murphy right there we all thought well that's just coincidence they're not going to do anything off of that and then here's another camera angle where a giant lumbering red bearded man in a hood just happens to walk behind Caleb Braxton. Yes. And then they continued it on Monday where Samoa Joe wants an apology from Roman Reigns because everybody just assumes that that Joe is the attacker, as they said on WWE TV. And Joe's like, I didn't do it. You need to apologize to me, Roman, because you're letting everybody believe that I'm the guilty party when I'm not. And he's trying to hijack Raw to a point where he goes backstage. He confronts Roman Reigns, who, by the way, is showing up to a three-hour Raw two hours into the show. And as he's approaching him in the car, somebody runs into Roman's car. Roman jumps back into his vehicle, just barely not getting smashed even though he was in the car. Horrible editing job, because when they show the car getting wrecked and then they cut back to it, the car doesn't have a scratch on it somehow. But Roman Reigns is shaken up, and Joe is asking for help because, as Joe would later explain, 
hey, if I've got a problem with somebody, I will confront them face to face. And I'm not somebody that's going to try to kill anybody else. But now the big whodunit is, okay, who tried to injure Roman backstage? And then there's shots of a guy in a hoodie and it's believed to be Roman. And we still don't know exactly what the hell is going on, basically. We don't, but let, let me let me just say this before we get into all the speculation. Sure. I got to say, I really enjoyed Samoa Joe's role in all of this. I liked that he acted first off like, hey, you guys are besmirching my good name. I legitimately didn't do this. He's acting like a normal person because he goes, hey, this wasn't me for once. And then when he witnesses the car wreck, he's like, well, I don't like this guy, but I'm not going to try and kill him via vehicular manslaughter. So I'm going to go check to make sure he's okay. And then he's got a promo afterwards where he goes, man, you better pray I don't find the guy that did this because I've got a problem with that. He felt like a real person in that role. And everybody's going, oh, this is Joe's baby face turn finally. And I'm thinking not necessarily. He's just acting like how a person would. In this situation, I like that. I like that he wasn't just like, you deserved it, Roman. I'm glad the car hit you. Nothing like that. Right. I mean, Joe can be uh, an evil bastard in WWE programming, but at the same time, he can still have a moral compass. Yeah. And that that's what they did here. And I mean, he's still a bad guy. I mean, you could see where like at first he wasn't sure if he wanted to help Joe, but then he's like, of course I want to help this guy. And he cut this promo that they put online where he just says, hey, uh, I might not like the guy, but yeah, I'm not going to try to hit him with a car. I'm not going to try to kill him. If I got a problem with somebody, I'll tell you I got a problem with you. I'm not going to sneak up behind you. You know, there's not going to be uh, that kind of an issue. I'm I'm going to tell you and I'll confront you and we will settle our differences with fisticuffs. And uh, <laughs> this obviously didn't happen in this situation, but we're sitting here now and like WWE is continuing with this huge whodunit. And uh, they even had a video that was out earlier on Wednesday where Daniel Bryan and Rowan are asked like, hey, uh, Buddy Murphy called you out. Oh, I almost missed that part on SmackDown. Roman confronted Buddy Murphy of all people and said, hey, you're backstage. Grabbed the guy after Buddy said, I don't know who did it. I didn't do it. Smashed him up against the wall and was looking to, you know, pummel him. So, so Murphy has clearly never seen an action movie ever because his lines were, even if I knew who did it, I'm not going to tell you. And then he's like, what what do you think is going to happen next? Yeah. Then he got pinned up against the wall and Roman is out to uh, do some serious harm to him where he says, it was Rowan, Rowan. It was Rowan all along Austin. (laughs) So of course they ask Rowan. Uh, or they asked Daniel Bryan, who's with Rowan, like, hey, um, so Buddy Murphy says that Rowan did it. And, of course, Daniel says, no. Brian, do- Brian does the equivalent of fake news. Right. Where he's like, you just tried to spin it. It's yeah, like, exactly. What do you mean spin? We just saw it. Uh, so uh, that's where we're at right now in the big whodunit case of WWE. There's all these little little things coming off of it. But one of the biggest things is. We all thought they were going to announce a match, and we thought it was going to be Roman Reigns against Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam, which it felt weird that they were doing this whole storyline so late 
in the process of building up the SummerSlam. And they're like, all right, they're just going to slap this together at the last minute where they announce it on Raw or SmackDown. And as we're sitting here on a Wednesday night, WWE still has not announced a match for either Roman Reigns or Daniel Bryan. And the question is going to be, will either of them uh, be on SummerSlam, arguably the second biggest event of the year on the WWE calendar? Oh, it's not arguably. It absolutely is. And we talked about this off air where you, you, honest, you thought there's a chance Roman might not take part in this card. And for me, being the cynical bastard that I am, I know there's no way that they don't do anything with Roman on this. And there's, there's reports that, oh, because of the timing of how the storyline played out, they're just going to let it play out on television and not force it. Like that's ever stopped them from doing it before. It's not like this show snuck up on them. They knew it was coming. So why on God's green earth would we suddenly say, hey, you know the second biggest paper of the year? Take our biggest star, the guy we just announced for the video game cover, and say, you know what? Take the night off. Enjoy Toronto. Not a chance. He has to be on the show. I, I find it surprising, though, and they could still do this in the coming days. I still find it surprising that they have not announced an official match for Roman Reigns. It's one thing for Daniel Bryan. It's another thing for Roman Reigns. And they, I'm with they, you. I think you'll be on the show. But it it's so strange to go into a major event and not have arguably your biggest star as announced in a big time match on that show. They, they've done it before recently. Like, remember the John Cena Undertaker thing where it's like, oh, John Cena's going to be there in the crowd and nothing's going to happen. Right. And it happened. Or when Kofi Kingston was pursuing the title at Fastlane and everyone just goes, oh, Kofi's not on the card. Oh, well, they pulled him out for an impromptu match and it played into the story. They'll do something. If it's as simple as Daniel Bryan coming out and saying, I have a grievance with Roman Reigns and Buddy Murphy, and that leads to it. Or Buddy Murphy comes out and says, hey, Roman, you beat me up on Tuesday. I'm going to beat you up now if you have the guts to come out here. And then <laughs> Superman punch Spear, we're done. I want him to see if he'd actually like, uh, challenge him to a duel or if he would go old school with a uh, uh, take off a glove and smack him in the face with it. Saying, I challenge you. I, dem I demand satisfaction. Yes. You challenged my manhood before. You treated me like you were Jack Bauer. <laughs> so is it is it weird that the best Roman segments of the year, with the exception of the le leukemia stuff, have been just like parodies of a John Wick movie? Because we had the the good guy storms into the bad guy's lair and beats up his henchman and then gets his hands on the bad guy. And now this one where it's the good guy is trying to beat information out of the bad guy. Maybe he needed to be a heel all along. We've it's been saying this so forever. Much, it's just so much better than him standing in the ring and cutting a promo or him standing backstage talking to Charlie and being like, I'm a guy that does things on my own. Well, I think that just goes to show the difficulty you can have when somebody else is scripting a promo and you have to use words that aren't your own, that you would never say, and you have to do it in this weird environment. 
You know, that yeah. that's not natural. And for some people they can do it and it works. And for other people, it just doesn't work as well. And I think Roman is one of those guys, but when he's put in a different environment like this, one that's a little bit more natural one that fits what he does better then it comes off great. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why it's why I've been enjoying Roman more consistently this year since probably since the shield. So I think we both agree. Roman's going to be on the show in some capacity, in some capacity. Do we think Daniel Bryan's going to be on the show? Probably. I hope so. If nothing else, maybe Roman attacks Rowan and that leads to a quick match between those two with Daniel in the corner. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, if this builds up to a Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan match, I mean, the right thing to do would probably let this build out to what? Survivor Series? You can't stretch it that long. For them to not square off one-on-one up until then, because that's November. Right. Is there a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view between now and then? Yes. Okay, that that would make some sense. Unfortunately, there's probably a Saudi pay-per-view also. I hate throwing that out in the universe. Because that's, what, late October, right? I think so. Hmm. Well, I mean, they, they need to drag this out for a while. I don't think... I don't think anybody is going to officially cop to the attack for a while. Like we can think we can sit here and think we know or whatever, but I don't think, I don't think Daniel or whoever is going to say it. And we all think it's Daniel, but I think it'll be one of those things where no, no, no. And then finally like, yeah, I did it, you know, but in the meantime, we all kind of know, but he's, he's denying it. You know, what, what if he brings back the yes chant and goes, did I do it? Yes. (laughs) Do I care? right so there's a lot of different layers and directions they can go with this but i mean if they're going through this much trouble to kind of lay it out this close to SummerSlam, then give it at least a couple of months to to play out and then they can just have the series of matches with uh daniel and roman kind of i kind of want this match right now because that's that's some good eating right there it is it's just Hasn't been built up properly. Does does that really even matter in the, you know the way that WWE does things now? Technically, it's been building since Extreme Rules. Since Brian gave the "I have to do something," Daniel Bryan's never done before. From yeah, and we still don't know what the uh, career altering you know announcement was going to be, which mm. they they've totally which gone away be, from. Them. Which could be my career altering announcement is I'm attacking the big dog. That would be so weird, though, if that was going to be the announcement. Like, hey, by the way, um, if you guys thought that I was a bad guy that you didn't like already, I'm a real son of a bitch. Look at how evil I can get. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, well, on the up on the upside... It's Wednesday, and we've only got 10 matches for SummerSlam. So, mercifully, it seems like this pay-per-view is not going to be as long, even with what they have planned for Rome. That's a positive. Now, mind you, they could add a couple of matches. We, we always know that. They, we always see that happen, you know, in the days leading up to it. They announce matches on social media. But even if they announce two more matches, then we get to 12. They do two or three on the pre-show. It's not that bad considering that it wasn't, it was just a week ago where I think, uh, I know that I felt that there was going to probably be 15 or 60 matches on the show and that's not going to happen. And I think WWE finally realized, and I don't know if somebody like pointed this out or just said, Hey, we don't want to catch grief or going super long or whatever the case was, but a couple of the matches that I thought and some other people thought were going to be on SummerSlam, they did on TV this week. Alistair True. Black and Sami Zayn, they did on TV. They did the Fatal 4-Way for the women's tag team titles on TV. And by the way, they got rid of the Iconics so quick in that match. Where, and they like went out of the way to say, we're getting new champions, okay? The Iconics will no longer be the champs. It's not who you want to be champion. Don't get too excited, but we'll give you new champions. Yes. And, hey, we've got Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross as tag team champions. A lot of people wanted the Kabuki Warriors, but um, they still couldn't get their moment. Nope. And it's weird how that team debuted in what, April? Yes. And we we dragged our feet with them for so long, we finally got them on television, and nothing. It's It's a bit strange there. It's a waste of talent. It's an absolute waste of talent. Particularly with Asuka. Yes. So come Sunday, how many matches do you think we're going to have on SummerSlam between the main show and the pre-show? Twelve. Yeah. The two additions will be? Roman versus fill in the blank and probably something on the pre-show like an Ali Nakamura. I can see Ali Nakamura being added and... Maybe a tag match? Neither of the tag titles are on the line. Yeah. Um, who would they do? Would they do like New Day against Heavy Machinery? They could do champion versus champion again, like they did on, what was it, Monday? Uh, yeah, they just, could do that and again. Just, and just go from there. They could easily do that. I, I think they're going to add McIntyre and Cedric. Which, if go back a month. And I really thought we were going to get McIntyre against either Roman or The Undertaker. And now we're at a point where Roman's not announced for a match. Undertaker's not announced for a match, and we don't expect them to be on the show. McIntyre's not announced for a match. And if he has one, it'll be against Cedric Alexander. And it's nothing against Cedric, who's incredibly talented and we like, but it just... Not the same star power. But in, 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 and, in, and instead of that match, we get Dolph Ziggler versus your dad. <laughs> Well, we almost got Dolph Ziggler against the Miz. We'll get that on Raw next week. So there's that. Uh, Something to look forward to, folks. 
you know, Roman will be on the show probably. I, I don't think it's going to be for an announced match. Maybe it will. Maybe they'll do that. But I think it's going to be more of a an impromptu thing that happens on the show at some point. So realistically, what is your show? What is your match of the night? Well, the the best match of the night should be AJ Styles against Ricochet. It should be if they give it enough time and everything else, because I don't like what they're doing with Seth Rollins against Brock Lesnar because Seth is going into the match injured. He's not 100%, even though he's been medically cleared somehow by WWE doctors. So I don't like the fact that it's not just a straight one-on-one match and he has to go into this already selling an injury. It's Uh, okay. They reset his rib cage. Sure. Uh, Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon should be a stunt spectacular. I'm surprised they haven't announced that that's like a no DQ or a street fight, but I expect them to take that all over the place somehow. And I think the, uh, the live audience there in Canada is going to firmly be behind their fellow Canadian in KO. So I, I think that one could really have a crowd element to it. But quite honestly, I mean, the match of the night should be AJ against Ricochet if they give them more than 15 minutes. Have you learned nothing from WrestleMania 35? No. The best match will be WWE champion Kofi Kingston versus (laughs) Randy Orton. Who are you rooting for in that match? Kingston or or Orton? You're rooting for Randy. You're rooting for Randy. Hell no. I'm rooting for my boy Kofi. Okay. And I want his shoes, and I can't get them because I'm not going. And I can't order them online because they only accept it in Canada. So I got to wait until they get online and then buy them secondhand. Is that for the new line of shoes that they just put out that's got like uh, Kofi, Becky, uh, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart? Brett and, Brett and Shawn, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I was showing, because I wrote it up today, and I was showing some people who like wrestling in the office all the photos and some of the old school fans were losing their minds over those Bret Hart shoes. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Oh, look slick. I like the I like the outline of Kofi on his shoes. Mm-hmm. Those are really it, nice. And then, with the Ghana flag logo, it's it's oh yeah, awesome. That was nice. They Here's, they did uh, they did one for WrestleMania where it was New Day, Sasha, and then like a WWE champion one, which was just black with a gold like bar thing. It didn't look right. Like they could have done. This feels like them bringing their A game with a crossover. Oh yeah, I thought th- those were sharp looking when I saw this today. The the thing about the SummerSlam card too, though, is when I look at this and I and I sit there and go, okay, uh, Seth and Brock, I don't think can go too long because of the the quote unquote injury to Seth. Um, we know Goldberg and Ziggler is not going to be long. Bray Wyatt against Finn Balor should not go long. Uh, so what matches are going to take up all this time, especially say they add two more matches at most, they're going to do 10 on the main card, maybe even nine. Uh, if they do, if they don't announce a match with Roman and they do something there with that storyline or, or they add in something that's not announced and it's not really a match necessarily that can eat up some time, but I'm like, okay, how much time are they giving these matches? Like what's going to eat up in ring time? Well, Goldberg versus Dolph is obviously going to be a 25-minute marathon. If that match goes more than 90 seconds, I will be shocked. And I think the only way it can go longer than that is because they ring the bell and the crowd is just chanting Goldberg or doing whatever, and they just kind of stare at each other. I, I'm I'm of two minds about this, because part 
part of me wants them to just clear it in under a minute and just have Goldberg play the hits. Spear, jackhammer, that's it. At the same time, we do know he's coming back for this as part of a redemption for what he did with The Undertaker. And maybe he's thinking, you know what, this can't just be a minute. It's gotta. I've got to prove I can still go for a seven, eight-minute match. By a not concussing myself usually helps. Yeah, that definitely helps. I mean, to me though, he has nothing to prove when it comes to that. What happened against Taker that match? That happened. That's in the rearview mirror. I don't think people are going to dwell on that too much. What they want to see is Goldberg make the big entrance come through the sparklers, get in the ring, huff and puff, drill a guy with a spear, give him a jackhammer, just give us the hits. That's what people want. I don't don't think it's so much that people are dwelling on it. I think it's he is dwelling on it. Oh, I'm sure. But I, I I understand where he's coming from, but I also look at it from a standpoint like, hey, man, people love you, and they just want to see you go out there and do your thing. And that's all this match requires is that feel good moment of you going out there and just cutting through this guy, like a hot knife through butter. Like, does it really need anything else? No, especially when Dolph's coming off of a 17 second loss. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, this is the same Bill Goldberg that beat Kevin Owens in like 65 seconds for the championship. You know, he had help. He had a little bit of help, but he, he ran right through KO pretty quickly. Do not disgrace the good name of Kevin Owens. I'm not disgracing anybody. <laughs> even, even though Austin gives his stunner a B as a letter grade. Is he really going to give him an A when he's the master of the stunner? It's his move. He, he It was interesting, his comments, because he's like, he gets it most of the time, but sometimes he doesn't get it. And I'm thinking, are you just say, talking about the one where Shane messed it up? Yeah, that wasn't on Kevin. That, yeah. that was on Shane, who used to be like one of the one of the best what? sellers we ever saw. When you would see him take a stunner or see him take something, and the guy would go flippity flop all over the ring, you know, like he was a a fish out of water. My favorite was when he had the mouthful of beer and he got stunned, just went. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so Goldberg Ziggler goes short. Does Finn Wyatt go short? Has to. Has to. How short? I mean, does it have to? Is it honestly just going to be he pops up, mandible claw done? No, I think it goes um at most five minutes. Okay, that's that's a that's a good over under. Well, here's the other question: Is he wearing the mask? Oh yeah, I think he has to, right? Yeah, I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's an option there. Now it be it would be funny if he showed up as Firefly Funhouse. Steve from Blue's Clues, Bray, and then the lights go out and the fiend shows up. That'd be great. That'd be cool. I mean, I I think that's one of the things that the show I'm really looking forward to is what are they going to do for an entrance? Is it just going to be lights go all funky and there's the fiend standing in the ring, or is there actual music and an entrance? If there is music, is it going to be the music you had before? They're going to incorporate something else. I don't know. Good, good question. Could he come out to the theme to Mister Rogers' Neighborhood? The too real, too real, man. I'm I'm not emotionally prepared for the Tom Hanks movie as it is. Really, you're not. Oh, I'm gonna ball like a baby. Well, I am I too. Want, 
We all watched Mr. Rogers growing up. I, I know. I, I'm older than you, and I know I grew up on Mr. Rogers. I dude was, dude was still going strong into the 2000s. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to deny that uh, maybe I got a little misty even when I saw the documentary. Oh, everybody did. Oh, yeah. Uh, Trish Stratus says this is going to be her last match, win or lose. That's that's a given. Um, Charlotte's got to win this, right? Like, yeah, she no... has to. I mean, and the thing was, like, Trish was, like, one of the very few people who won her last match. Or what, at the time, everybody thought was going to be her last match. And she won with the championship, and this is years ago. And then yeah. she came back for the Evolution show, and she won on that. And But now she can wrap up her career in Toronto, which I'm sure she's very happy to do, and it's going to be pleasing for her. But there's no reason for her to win this match. I mean, I, yeah. I know that Charlotte is a heel, but Trish is not going to be wrestling after this, and Charlotte is. And, hey, if you look at this show, too, we've got Kevin Owens, Canadian. We've got Trish Stratus. Canadian. Uh, what's the other one? Natalia. Natalia, obviously. So, Which, who lives so far away from Toronto that it, it, to save time, you would actually drive south into the United States to get to Toronto faster. I'm, I will not get over the fact that they keep going like, you're in your home country, 2,000 miles away. She's a little bit of a distance, yeah. But so we've got, no, the, the, yeah. we've got the three Canadians that are going to have the crowd firmly in their back pocket. How many of them do you think are going to win? Canadians? Yes. One and two. I think KO is the only guy that comes out with a win. I, I don't know. See, here's the thing. With the exception of the 2K announcement, Becky has very little momentum going into this. Yeah. And I feel like they added the submission stipulation to help with that. Because I th what I think they're going to do is have her get locked into the sharpshooter for a long time. And maybe hint at the uh, the famous Brett versus Austin WrestleMania 13 match. Because when you think submission match, that's the one that comes to mind. Right. Now, what I don't think they do is a double turn where Natalia... Becky turns heel out of this somehow. I don't think that's it. Even though I'm still not okay with what she did to Fit Finley. That was some BS right there. Yeah. Uh, Disrespecting of a legend. But I think this is like, look how tough she is. And then she walks in the disarmor. And it's so cool, you guys. I think the only way that Becky loses is if Ronda Rousey gets involved in this match. And it's something that I talked about in the the podcast I did earlier in the week with uh, Dave LaGreca, and we didn't even know all the matches, and we just kind of briefly went over a bunch of stuff. And um, I thought maybe I was the only one that kind of felt like, you know, Ronda could be coming back sooner rather than later. You know, obviously, it as far doesn't. as we as far as we know, she's not pregnant, and she loves WWE, and we've seen her pop up in a couple of WWE videos, and she did that spoof video where it looked like uh, zombies were coming to get the world, but it's called Tables. But it was the Tables. Is that is that just a trailer? Is that all it's that's going to be? It's just a trailer. Okay. It's I, not going to be like I Machete, I don't think. So. I was confused. It's just, because you, you never know. We live in a post-Sharknado 5 era these days. Right, right, right. Like, anything can be made into a movie. So... I think so that she I, still loves WWE. I would not be surprised if she's on the show. However, 
I don't think Becky's going to lose the championship. I could see a scenario where if Ronda was on the show, it would be something like she attacked Becky after the match or she came out and made her presence known after the match kind of a thing. But I don't I don't awesome. think she would cost Becky the title if she's on that show. Now, now that we know Becky is on the cover of the video game, I think it's possible they do what they did with AJ and make sure she's champion up through the promotion and release of the game. Oh, I totally agree. And, and they, it, they might look at it as we're going to keep the title on Becky until Mania where she gets that one-on-one rematch with Rousey that she keeps talking about. Cause she, she name drops that every time they bring up Rhonda to her. She's like, I still want the one-on-one match. Well, she did it with me on Monday and I brought it up on purpose, you know, at the very end of the interview, cause I had a certain amount of time with her. I, I asked Becky, I was like, Hey, you guys were joined at the hip for so long. You know, uh, feuding with one another. Do you miss not having Ronda around? And she's like, no. No, don't miss having Ronda around her. <laughs> right. And then she says, I still want the one-on-one match, you know? So I I think that match is going to happen at WrestleMania. Uh, the question is going to be, who's going to be the champion going into that? Because does it make a better story for Becky to hold on to the championship with Ronda chasing her to try to win it? Or does it make more sense for Ronda to somehow win the title and Becky chasing her. I think it's, I think it's more interesting with Rhonda needing some modicum of revenge and we can even play into the whole, Hey, the finish to our first match was kind of screwy. They messed it up and we've just kind of swept that under the rug ever since. Yeah. And they can bring that up. If you didn't actually beat me, you just got lucky. The referee screwed up. And you've tried to ignore it ever since. And the reality is you can't beat me one-on-one leading to this match. Even if Ronda does not show up at SummerSlam, I think it's not going to be uh, long before she comes back because I'm sure the fine folks at Fox would love to see Ronda Rousey on the first ever episode of SmackDown on Fox coming up. That, that's the a whole other wrinkle because A, it sounds like well, we know the wildcard thing is kind of dying and that they're going to go back to a harder brand split. But Becky's the Raw Women's Champion. Do you have Ronda go to SmackDown, win the blue belt, and carry that until Mania? And we do this whole Becky two belts, hibbity do thing again. Right. There's a, there's a couple of different things they could do. I mean, hell, they could have Becky interfere or uh, Ronda interfere in this match on Sunday. Natty comes away with the title. And then somehow the two of them, I mean, when it comes to Becky and Rhonda feuding on SmackDown, I mean, they, and, they, and poor Bailey's just there to get run over more or less, unfortunately. Yeah. But I mean, there, there's so many different wrinkles in the way that WWE explains some stuff. We can roll our eyes by it, but it's kind of like a means to an end sometimes. Yeah. And if they, and maybe that's the, what they have to do from the standpoint, they go, Hey, I know that USA network and Fox each want certain superstars. Let's see what we can work out here. Hey, Brock, you're going to stay on raw, but Rhonda's coming back and she's going to go to SmackDown. I, maybe it's something like that. Who knows? I, I have no idea what the talks are like behind the scenes when it comes to dealing with each network and the talent that they would prefer to see on the brand and trying to make that work. So that that's going to be a whole nother discussion and see how that works out in the end. Uh, yeah. 
one other thing when it comes to SummerSlam. So I said this before. I really wish they weren't doing this whole injury angle with, with Rollins. Because wouldn't it be nice just to say, I'm 100% going into this match. Brock is 100% going into this match. Let's go out there. Let's not kick each other in the junk before the match or have any other kind of shenanigans. And let's go out there and let's go balls to the wall and just see who's the better man. And they can go out there and have a, a 15 or 20 minute match where they can both, you know, be 100%, show off their athleticism and put on a great match. And instead, WWE wants to have this storyline of, hey, it's already tough enough to beat Brock Lesnar to beat the beast incarnate. But now Seth is going to have to overcome unbelievable odds. If he wants to win this championship and beat Lesnar, because he's got smashed up ribs going into the match. They do love the overcome the odds story. It's their favorite one to tell. Yeah. And so I I just think they're laying it on a bit thick and it's like, I, I think you could tell that story of saying Brock is still the favorite, but do it to a point where they, you know, they're going to go out there and have a great match. You're going to be able to showcase their best skills. And now it's going to be Seth coming out there and going, Oh, I'm not that bad. Oh, my ribs. And you know, all that stuff immediately. It's just like, uh, can't we just see them really go at it? We we've seen these guys in the ring sparingly for the last four or five years, but we've never really seen that true blue, one-on-one match come to a conclusion between these two. And I'd like to see that happen one time. Yeah. It, it's interesting comparing how I felt about Seth in April compared to now. And some of that's the comments that have been made online, the Twitter behavior, but it just seems like all the momentum he had has kind of dwindled. It has, it really has. And, I don't know how they get that back. I, I'm assuming WWE believes that it will mean a lot and he can get any kind of steam that might be perceived to be lost by beating Lesnar here. And I, and I think he's going to beat Lesnar. I mean, I, does anybody believe that Lesnar's going to win this? I'm not, I'm not rejecting the idea at this point. Only because you mentioned the Fox deal. They might love the idea of Brock being world champion at that point. And we're coming off of years of every time we think it's time for them to finally drop the belt off Brock, they don't because he's the safe pick. But wouldn't it make sense then that Seth wins the title back? We don't see Brock until the first episode of SmackDown on Fox and Brock attacks WWE champion Kofi Kingston. It could be, but you also got to remember we've got months in between that. Yep. Where Vince might go, we need Brock to be world champion. Well, at the rate that Vince keeps apparently changing his mind, especially when it comes to SmackDown, I mean, who the hell knows what's going to happen? I mean, there was another story this week, the second week in a row, that within like three or four hours of SmackDown, they just totally ripped up the script to SmackDown and said, all right, let's redo this show. I don't like you know what we have on paper and they changed the main event like three different times until they finally decided to go with, uh, what was the match? It was new day against, um, Brian, Brian and Rowan. Yeah. To be fair, I haven't disliked these past couple episodes of SmackDown where the sudden 
rewrites have had to take place. I agree. Well, it's not all it's not necessarily bad that the scripts are getting thrown out the last minute. It's not the best in terms of planning, and it probably sucks for their production guys. Oh, yeah. And it probably sucks for the talent because it's like I just memorized this promo and we went over a whole match and now I got to throw that out the window. But they're all professional and they'll get over it and they'll make it work. Um, That's what the money's for. Yeah. So how many titles do you expect to change hands? Woof. This might be a, a dry one when it comes to title changes. I would say in fact, ricochet. In fact, I could, I could honestly see none. I, I think see none. I think two. I think Seth wins the Universal Championship back, and I think Ricochet wins the U.S. title. I maybe, maybe, but I also love the visual of the OC having three titles. Yeah. I mean, we just saw Anderson and Gallows win back those raw titles. Did you, by the way, did you see the picture with the three of them and Nakamura and all of them with their titles? That got me excited. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Where, where Nock just goes, I just happened to bump into the OC backstage. And everyone's like, <laughs> the Japanese recruiting class of 2016. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So it's a packed weekend. SummerSlam, obviously, is the show that's going to get the most attention because that's coming up on on Sunday night. Well, none of that's going to matter because there's one match on TakeOver that's going to steal the whole weekend. And outshine the entire main roster. And you know what match it is. Uh, of course I do. It's uh, Io Shirai against Candice LeRae. How dare you, sir? <laughs> the dream will not be besmirched like this. Wow, you're going with the Velveteen Dream. Oh. You know, against, the, against Roderick Strong and the freaking Bruiserweights. That yeah, match should be That's going to be a barn Fantastic. Burner. How did you like seeing Velveteen Dream pop up in the 2K20 video? My favorite thing was his caption afterwards, where he's looking all shocked. He just goes, invite only. (laughs) I'm like, thank you. Not to get off on a tangent, but man, that video was so well done for that video game. And all of the different appearances they've got. I mean, Stone Cold's in there, Hogan, obviously Becky Lynch and Roman Reigns are front and center. Sheamus. Was actually mm-hmm. in there, and the like the look on Sheamus's face was priceless as well. I uh, loved all the portraits of you know past stars that were deceased that were backstage that you only caught a glimpse of. You're like, oh, there's Eddie. You're like, yeah. oh, that's cool. Yeah, that was really n- nicely done. But uh, yeah, just the way that they put that all together, the reaction from some people, uh, Dream on there, even uh, Becky taking a bite out of an appetizer and throwing it in Hulk Hogan's champagne. Nice touch. 
Very yeah. nice touch. Uh, so yeah, that that triple threat match for the North American Championship that should kill it. Do you you think that match is going to be better than Cole versus Gargano in their two out of three falls? I do because I, I it's obviously going to deliver, but I don't know what they can do in this that I haven't seen from their last two out of three falls match and the rematch months later. Yeah, I mean, the the twist on this one is it's two out of three falls. They each get to Again. pick a stipulation, and Adam Cole, as a true blue heel, a dastardly guy who is thinking of, like, the most devious kind of match that he could come up with, one that will favor him in such a way and stack the odds against Johnny Gargano, came up with a one-on-one match. That's his stipulation. <laughs> I, I, you you told you explained to me the story behind it, and it's he knows he can beat him one on one, and that's fine. But if we're gonna go heelish with it, say the stipulation is if your name is Johnny Gargano, you lose. Yeah, I, or Johnny Gar uh, uh, Johnny Gargano has to fight with both of his arms tied behind his back. Match right. So yeah, they uh, Cole beat Gargano before, and he says, "I beat you in a straight one on one match," and. I believe I can do it again. So that's the match I want. Gargan- interesting Gargano chose the street fight because that was the match he lost against Ciampa before the last man standing match. That, yeah. that was the one that turned the tide. And if we go to a third fall, which we all expect, William Regal will choose the stipulation for that uh, right before it gets to that point, I guess. I and, mean, natu- and naturally, being the man's man that he is, it'll be a lumberjack match. Absolutely. That's the only match I can think of. Or a construction workers hard hat match. I don't know what they would ma- do for that match. Um, a coal miner glove on a pole match. Judy Bagwell on a forklift. <laughs> we don't need to relive that that, that. that match in the back of the truck that got Dustin Rhodes fired. By the way, if they did Judy Bagwell on the top of a forklift, I mean, that just ties it in to the whole forklift Roman Reigns conspiracy. Wait, Brian, I just figured it out. I know who attacked Roman Reigns. Judy Bagwell. No, it was John Cena because you couldn't see him. (laughs) Why the camera didn't pick him up. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm coming up with better storylines here, people. It is true. Uh, No, Cole and Gargano is, I mean, it's going to tear it up. Uh, The three-way is going to tear it up. Street Profits against Undisputed Era, I think, is going to be a lot of fun as well. Um, Candice EO is going to tear it up. I, yeah, I will not lie. And, and I think I think Shayna Baszler against Mia Yim is going to be really good as well. I think, but I think Shayna retains again. Oh, I like, definitely think she retains. And then, we still haven't got we still haven't gotten to the part where we've got the the face to overcome her. The thing is, we I think we're going to get to a point uh, after this show where Undisputed Era could have finally basically almost all the gold in, or actually all the gold in Mm -hmm. NXT. They could have it all. um, And we're finally going to get to that point, but I don't think they're going to get called up anytime soon. Sooner or later they will. I don't think that's coming right now. Baszler, we keep waiting for her to lose the championship and she hasn't. And I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, I don't think that happens until they want to do the four horsewomen thing. Right. And then Street Profits could lose the championships. And even though they keep appearing on Raw, I don't know if they would officially go to Raw to to wrestle. Because the way it's been explained right now is kind of like 
yeah, they're on Raw, but they're there representing NXT and just introducing themselves to that audience. So and, I don't know if it would be like official call-up at that point. Or would we see them in the ring? I don't know how they would play that all out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unclear. It's weird that they keep showing up as the tag champions. But I, those, those titles almost seem like props because they're not wrestling. Yeah, and, but I love what they're doing on TV. I, oh, it's I think great. It, it's entertaining. It's funny, but it's it feels like it could all be done without them having the tag title. Sure, absolutely. It, I mean, they're they're trying to convince Kurt Angle to drink milk, and he's like, "No, no, no." I told my wife I I wouldn't do it. I told my wife, you know, it's like you ever, you ever seen Clockwork Orange? Milk makes you do crazy stuff. <laughs> Apparently, it does to Kurt Angle, especially when it's laced with whatever the hell they were drinking. Well, I don't know if there's heroin in it, but was it heroin or was it like? I don't remember what Cody? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> it was something crazy. But I mean, the so, point I was trying to make is I think we we typically expect somebody from NXT to get called up after SummerSlam like we do after WrestleMania. And I don't know if that's going to be the case here. And if it is, it could be somebody we're not even thinking of. Like we didn't expect Street Profits to show up on Raw when they did, even though it wasn't an official official call up. But I don't know what they're going to do on the show. I, I, I think we could just see everything kind of the same way that it's been status quo. And then maybe later on in the year, they find somebody that they want to move up, especially, you know, once the new TV deals kick in, they could do it. Or maybe they want to keep everybody where they're at right now in NXT because they're trying to work out a, a television contract to where um, NXT is going to be on FS1. I think that's the most likely outcome because if that is happening, they'll want as much talent on NXT as possible to keep that show rolling and they won't be as inclined to bring guys up to the main roster, especially right now where you look at Alistair black, who was part of the latest call up run. And he's just now figuring out his spots. So if they want to do this all over again, it's not going to, it's not going to go well. I don't think one last thing about that show. There is a wild card factor in all of this. Will Tommaso Ciampa be on NXT TakeOver? Yes. Because his documentary is done. Will he get involved in a physical manner, though? I'm not. I am not counting it out until after the little tag in the corner comes on and then the screen goes black. Because you know what happens if you wait till before that? He'll get you. He will He'll get you with that broken crutch. I think he could do something physical. I don't think he can take any bumps, but, but uh, he could hit somebody with a, he could hit somebody with a crutch. Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe he could give a, somebody a move, a, a certain, a uh, certain Johnny Gargano. Yeah. Uh, Cause he's, sure. st- he's still pissed at him for losing the title. Right. One I mean, they could do that whole, you know, coming off the, Hey, we respect each other. And, you know, he held up uh, Johnny's hands when he won the championship or whatever. But now he can sit there and say that whole storyline of, yeah, I'm turned against you. You know what? I can respect you as a fellow opponent. But what I cannot respect is your lack of respect for Goldie because I held that championship for so long. I cherished it. I loved it. I named it and I want it back so bad. And I was happy that if I couldn't wrestle, if I had to be sidelined, that somebody I respected so much and you, Johnny Gargano had the championship, but it only took you a month 
before you lost that title, before you couldn't hold on to Goldie. And for that, I can no longer respect you. Because you're selfish. Because he kept, he kept pulling out that line during their first few. It was, you're selfish. Yes. I loved it. God, Chompa's so good. He's and I know best. he's going to be on borrowed time when he comes back, and that makes me sad. But he is just so freaking good at this. He is. And at the time when he was in the, you know, the middle of that championship run, I mean, when's the last time we saw a heel that strong? I mean, it's been, it's been a while. I mean, now, I mean, arguably that has been the best feud that we've seen in wrestling. Uh, when, you, when you add in all the kind of behind-the-scenes elements to the storyline, that that's one of the better you know feuds we've seen in years. I know people could talk about Okada and and Kenny Omega, and that that was extremely strong as well. But that one didn't tell as much of a story. It was mostly just in the ring. What happened with that? When you talk about right. all the other layers to the story and everything, when you talk about Gargano and Ciampa, I mean everything that went into that. That's that's one of the best that we've seen in a long time. You might have to go back to like HBK Jericho or something to get to that point. And so, something as visceral as that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and part of the reason why is just, it's not only because of how good they were in the ring, how sympathetic of a character Johnny Gargano was, but to me, the overwhelming factor of it was how good of a heel Tommaso Ciampa was. And I think we had never seen that side of him. We had seen some of the psycho thriller, you know, or psycho killer. I, I say thriller because I remember interviewing him one time. He's like, yeah, I can't say killer in WWE anymore. But, um, when he was doing Psycho Killer, I mean, we saw a little bit of it, but never to this level, never amped up like this. We never saw those kind of promos or anything. And it was like he got totally unleashed and you saw this whole other level he could get to. Oh, yeah. It's it's insane. And Anything else about NXT? I, I think that's it for NXT. Um, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let, let's mention the AEW stuff really quick, and then we can talk a little bit about New Japan and get to some questions. So AEW... Let, let, do you want to you walk, knock out the news that broke today first? Yeah, go for it. So NWA pops up on YouTube this afternoon, this being Wednesday, with a video by Billy Corgan and confirms what had been reported several weeks back when the split from Ring of Honor was announced. And it's that NWA is bringing out their own TV show. Kind of. Because, Brian, we here's what we got. We know the city that it's taking place, and we know the dates for the initial television tapings, that being September 30th and October 1st. What we don't know is the location of the tapings, the time of day where the tapings take place, what channel this is going to be on, when it's going to air, if they've got any sort of television deal at all. Basically, this this feels like they're just building up a couple of TV tapings so they can shop them around at different networks 
who are desperately looking for some content. Yeah, they're going to be doing the tapings in Atlanta. We don't know exactly what building yet. Uh, I would assume it's probably going to be the same building that WWE for NXT has been at before and Ring of Honor has been at. Um, yeah. I can't remember the name of the building off the top of my head, but... some Someone that gets a couple of thousand people in there at most. Yeah. So, I mean, but everything else to this is a mystery. Like, like you said, I don't know what channel it's going to air on. I don't know what this is going to be uh, streamed on their YouTube channel. Is it going to be uh, someone else is picking it up for streaming rights? Could it be on TV? I kind of doubt TV. It feels more like a, a product that would stream somewhere. But yeah, they make this big announcement and it's like, okay, um, can we get some real info here? Can you fill in the gaps? And who knows when we're going to find that out? Yeah, it's it's hard to get too excited about this one. It's cool that a company with the name and legacy like the NWA is be is trying to elevate itself back into the conversation and not by just glomming on to somebody else. Not how they did it with Impact more than a decade ago and not how they've been doing it with Ring of Honor for the past couple of years. They want to make their own thing. Now, does that amount to much? We don't know. And for all we know, they could wind up at the level of MLW where, hey, they put on shows and maybe sometimes you'll hear about a, a really solid match on their iPay-per-views. But beyond that, do you, do you go to an MLW show? Do, do you seek out MLW when the episodes are uploaded onto YouTube every week? Or is it just something that's just kind of there sitting in what is essentially the minor leagues compared to what WWE is doing and what AEW has always has already elevated itself to be. Yeah. I don't know what exactly the grand plan is when it comes to both MLW and the NWA. I mean, I give Court Bauer and MLW a lot of credit for the talent that they have and being able to sell out shows the way that they have. And they're they're going to do a pay-per-view, which we'll see exactly how that goes. I, I don't exactly understand how MLW is making money or if they're making money. I, I don't understand what their business plan is, especially with a roster that size. I know they're not paying anybody like a ton of money, but I'm not exactly sure how that's all working out. And it's kind of the same boat for the NWA is they're trying to accumulate some talent. And it's cool that the NWA has made this comeback and there's another product that's out there, but I don't know where exactly this fits right now. It's kind of like, let, let's see where this goes. I give them credit for taking this step. It's something we've wanted them to do for a while now, but let's see exactly how it plays out. I mean, hey, they've got Nick Aldis there. James Storm is there now. Eli Drake is there. And we'll see what other guys that they bring in. Cole Cabana is kind of there as well. Yeah, but it's it, then, then it's a question of, are these guys on contracts dedicated solely to the NWA? And can can they can they afford to do that in this current market, where you're going to have a lot of up and coming guys going, hey, I've got all these options, and I can get on TV with the NWA, but I don't want to sign with them if they're going to make me exclusive, because then that stops me from potentially going elsewhere. Right. I I don't know if anybody is really exclusive other than. Well, Nick Aldis might be, but I, he still works some indie shows. But I think even those shows, he's representing the NWA. Right. Hey, I wouldn't be shocked if at some point all whoever the NWA champion is 
shows up on AEW and goes, I'm the NWA world's champion and I'll go where I please. Right. I mean, I think people would be excited about that as well. I think, well, I think some fans would be, I don't, I don't know how big of a deal it would be in the grand scheme of things, but it would be cool to kind of see that crossover just from a storyline standpoint of, Hey, here's another brand that a lot of people that are probably watching AEW have at least heard of or know of, and they're crossing over to do something in this promotion. And right. Cause a lot of people first learned about what now has become AEW through all in and what was one of the main driving forces of all in that NWA world title match. Right. Like when's the last time we've seen one promotion do something with another on a major level? I mean, I'm not counting new Japan and ring of honor an outright like invasion type thing. Yeah, or, or just show up I, on their TV have, like out of nowhere. You have to go back to like CZW versus Ring of Honor. Jeez. In the mid-2000s. I was going to say, would this be the Rock and Roll Express hitting uh, WWF television? Well, no, because you had that ECW invasion That's there true, that's true. Yeah, you did have that. So that that that's one of the bigger ones that have actually happened. But it, it's been a while since we've seen something. Even if it's not like a total invasion storyline, just like, Hey, here's a major figure from another promotion that we know of. And they're coming in to another promotion and appearing on their TV in a meaningful way. Cause now, nowadays it's more, Oh, these companies are partnered up. Right. So it makes sense for Okada to show up on the occasional ring of honor show. Yeah. And even like the ring of honor shows going on on Friday night. I mean, not only do they have ring of honor talent there, new Japan, New Japan talent's going to be there. CMLL talent is on that show. I mean, they're doing a ladder wars match between the Gorillas of Destiny and the Briscoes, and those guys are going to all try to kill one another. Ain't nobody realer than Gorilla. The song says so. <laughs> I love their entrance, I, and I love the video that goes with it because they're standing behind what looks like one of those. You know, you know how they used to make those shower doors where, like, the it's glass, but it's kind of like dilated so that you can't see right through it yes they're like standing behind that so you see their outlines and then tama just walks in and just pokes it <laughs> and then it opens and you're like oh my god <laughs> it's, it's it's a nice it's a good look i like it. so we mentioned aew uh last friday they put tickets on sale for their uh tv taping for their first show in washington dc they're there was some belief that originally the show had sold out within like 30 minutes. It was like, no, it was like three minutes. Right, right. Okay, yeah. And then Cody had to go on Twitter and say, no, 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 this show was not sold out. Just Ticketmaster is very busy right now. And within a couple hours, though, that show was sold out, which I we both said before, I thought the show would sell out. I didn't think it would be a first day sellout. So kudos to AEW for once again overcoming the odds are kind of not, not necessarily overcoming the odds, but like um, having another big day and just showing the impact that they've had so far and selling out that show so quickly. Right. And some people are pointing out that the, the secondary ticket market has really glommed onto AEW in terms of how quickly they're, they're picking up these tickets in bulk so that they can be sold elsewhere. And, but that's not something that's AEW's fault. Right. And that's not, and it wasn't their fault for what happened with Ticketmaster. That's just Ticketmaster not being able to handle web traffic. And depending on who you ask, that's not an uncommon occurrence. 
No, so, it's not. And I mean, the same thing happens to WrestleMania. And are they going to say, oh, well, you know, it wasn't really a first day sellout because the secondary market got their hands on a lot of tickets. No, it tickets sold. So somebody physically had to buy those. Yeah. Now, the, do we the want money? Either, they're still getting that money. Do so. we want the secondary market hijacking a show and holding on to a lot of tickets? Of course not. No. But that's that's not an AEW issue. No. That that's a whole other ball game. Now no, it, 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 it's it's in their eyes, it is a win. It absolutely is a win. We'd kind of wondered like what other buildings, what other cities they're gonna go to. And you know, we figured they're gonna be in major cities, but what size buildings were they gonna be in? And wonder that maybe they're going to taper it down a little bit. The DC show, what is that like, fifteen thousand seats, something like that, up yeah. there. So they've announced already uh, the location of their following two TV tapings. So Wednesday, October 9th, they're going to be in Boston at um, the Aganis Arena in on Boston University. Mm-hmm. That one holds about seven thousand people. And then on Wednesday, October sixteenth, they'll be in Philadelphia at Temple. And that's the Lyacorus Center. That holds about 10,000 people. And I think they're not the biggest buildings in the world. They're still pretty large. But I think one of the really smart things AEW is doing here, and something I, I thought they would do, is they're picking buildings in major cities that are a part of a college. And I think that's yeah. really playing into their target demographic. They're, 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 they're playing into the younger audience. And if it's right there on campus, you know people are going to show up even if they're not wrestling fans and just be like, hey, something to do, something to go get drunk at. You know what I almost equate this to is back in the day when WCW used to promote nitro parties. See, I this was before my time. Explain to me what this was. Basically, they would go around and they would like tell colleges and people all around like, oh, you're not at the show. We'll have a nitro party. And like they would have somebody broadcasting sometimes from a nitro party like, hey, we're on the campus or whatever. And. You know, Billy is over here with all his friends and they're all at a party and they'd have 30 or 40 people drinking woo, and everybody going nuts and just showing like, hey, you know, they pop on every now and then like, are you guys having a good time? So, yeah, we're all watching Nitro, man. This is great. Woo. You know, and just trying to build an atmosphere that even if you're not at the show, you can have a good time. So, but this is one of those things where because it's on a college is like, like you said, like, what are we going to do on this night? You know, oh, it's a Wednesday night and we want to go out and have some fun, you know? So, hey, right here on campus, they're doing wrestling with AEW. They got some cool guys that we like. And before people go, well, who's going out on a Wednesday night? You obviously have never been to a college. Yes, because. Because that ain't stopping anybody. Right. Everybody's sitting there going, okay, it's a Wednesday. Uh, What else is there to do? Because we want to do something rather than just sitting around and drinking. We want to go out somewhere and drink. and. Hey, right here on campus, we've got a rowdy atmosphere, possibly, when it comes to a wrestling show. Oh, and this is cool because, hey, guess what? Uh, the Young Bucks are there, and Cody's there, and Kenny Omega is there, you know, whatever. So that's going to be something that's going to appeal to a lot of people. Uh, Interesting notes to go with it. I like that they're picking wrestling towns, Philly and Boston especially, but... I'm also interested in the fact that they're staying on the East Coast, notoriously Vince's market. Yeah. And not going south, where their headquarters are essentially Jacksonville and Atlanta. And they're not going anywhere near that right now, because I'm kind of looking at here in Nashville going, why the heck aren't we one of the first three shows? 
Why isn't Charlotte on this list? Why isn't pick a place in Carolina? I don't know. Well, I, th- these are bigger cities when you're talking about going to D.C. and Boston and Philadelphia. And that's only the first three shows. Who knows what the the next month after that's going to be? Maybe are they going to stay on the East Coast and hit a Charlotte, a Nashville, Orlando, Tampa, Atlanta? Miami. You know, all of those. Will they, will they branch a little bit more to the Midwest? Will they go to uh, Chicago or even go down to Texas? Anything like that? When do they go to the West Coast? So, When do they hit Cali? Yeah, exactly. I mean, California is a huge market for them. And, right. and, and I'm curious to see like how often, and I, I don't expect it to be that often, because WWE doesn't do this either, but how often will they go into markets that aren't as big? Like, how often are they going to go to Salt Lake City, Utah? How often are they going to go to Des Moines, Iowa? Uh, how often are they going to go to Oklahoma City? I mean, they're, they're still good-sized cities, but they're not the biggest markets. For me, it's being in a city where there are so many venues and two colleges. I'm legitimately curious to see where AEW would run if they came to Nashville. Because you've got a 20,000-seat arena in Bridgestone. You've got a 10,000-seat arena in the Municipal Center. You've got Vandy's Basketball Arena, if you so choose. And you've got all these smaller concert venues. What do you pick? I think it just comes down to, okay, what have our sales been so far? How strong do we feel like this market is? And that would depend on the building size. And then also, how does it look inside? What are the aesthetics? What is it going to look like for us production-wise? And they just have to go and map that all out. So my guess would be the building that's 10,000. Or why not just go to the fairgrounds and kind of recreate TNA? I'm kidding. <laughs> but there's all there's also, you got to remember, they tore down the fairgrounds. Yes, I know. I know. Building that blasted soccer stadium. Yeah. A rugby stadium, like, it sh- like God intended, but a blasted soccer stadium. Oh, excuse me, that soccer's a little bit more... Uh, Crowd pleasing or selling more tickets. Crowd pleasing. Well, to a lot more fans Sir. right now. To not to you, but to other people. Soccer is a bigger sport that will sell better than rugby. You can have both. That's all I'm saying. Well, they can they can do both sports in that stadium, but it's it's being built for soccer, but you can also have rugby there. They better. They won't, but they should. Are you what are you going to do in your efforts to try to get like a like a major New Zealand team to come over. Let me fix my neck first, and then we'll get we'll talk. That would be uh, that would be a good thing. I didn't say you had to compete. I'm just saying you want to see a major team come over or teams. We'll work on it. Uh, there was one other piece of AEW news today, and this one kind of came out of the blue, didn't it? What would that be? The announcement that um, Roddy Piper's daughter oh, Teal yes. Piper is Teal going to be on the show. It, this was why I was late to our to our recording session. Uh, yes, they announced on the road to All Out this week that Teal Piper, who I did not know wanted to be in the wrestling business, daughter of Rowdy Roddy Piper, is not only is she joining AEW, she is going to compete in the Casino Battle Royal for a shot at the AEW Women's World Championship. I had no idea that she wrestled either. And if you go check cagematch.net, which is pretty good at keeping record of wrestling, no matter how big it is, no matches for her. 
Hmm. So I don't, I do not know. And maybe other people do. I do not know if this is going to be her legitimately her first match or if she's been training elsewhere. I haven't heard either. And when I saw that announcement, I was just like, Oh, well, how about that? And then you, you brought up that point about like, have you ever seen a wrestle? Have you ever heard of her wrestling? And I haven't, maybe, maybe she has, and I haven't thought about, it, but you know, there's, there's no recording of uh, her having a match, especially on that side. I'm, I'm sitting there going, I don't know if she has, this might be her debut. And what makes it interesting is, did you see who else they announced for that match? I saw a couple of the names, but remind me. Ivelisse from Lucha mm-hmm. Underground. So seems like she's finally free of whatever was holding her back. And Jazz. Oh, Jazz is going to be in that too. Okay. Who, who Loving referred to herself as a word I can, I don't know. Can we curse on this podcast? Yes, you, we can curse on the this. The bitch is back. Yes. Is how, is how she referred to herself. And good on her. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think, I think she's. I think she's pretty awesome, to be honest. And there's they're, they're getting some names for this one. And I would really hope, I don't think it's going to happen, but they they do have Tully Blanchard uh, booked for this book for this show. And all it takes is one phone call to 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 his daughter. I'm sure he has her number. We'll see if that happens. I um I'm wondering they did this whole contract signing where Tully Blanchard changed the contract and said, Hey, this last time Cody came out and he came out with a whole entourage of people. Well, guess what? When Sean Spears wrestles, I'm going to be the only person in his corner. So I'm changing this in the contract to where he can only have one person in his corner during the match. And the whole thing was Tully and Sean are waiting for Cody and Cody's off training. Cody finally shows up doesn't even read the contract and signs it. So he can only have one person in his corner. Who do you think that one person's going to be? Well, it has to be Brandy or else he can't use his last name. Because I don't know if you, I don't know if, well, actually maybe they could do it with Dustin because they do this thing where the announcer goes, Cody and Brandy Rhodes. You're missing out. Because they can't do Cody Rhodes. Because, reasons that we don't need to get into but he could do dustin and be like okay i have somebody who's also from wcw that could beat up tully you're wrong who am i missing you're missing and this is my prediction it will not be mjf it will not be brandy it will not be dustin it will not be mjf good it will be the enforcer arn anderson (laughs) because now you have former Four horsemen in opposite corners against one another. But, but Brian, don't you know what happens when a, a member of the Rhodes family tries to align themselves with a member of the four horsemen? We've seen this before. He could turn on him or who knows what could happen. But I, I think it's going to be Arn that's in Cody's corner. Arn literally turned on his brother like 30 years ago. Yes, and we can play into all of that wonderfully. And by the way, I don't care how old Arn is. If he gets in the ring, he will deliver a picture-perfect spine buster. He did it at, was it, Starcade just a couple of years ago that they did in uh, Greensboro or Winston-Salem mm-hmm. or wherever? Oh, yeah. When he did it to, to Dolph Ziggler. 
our friend Michael Wiseman went to that show before he went to the show because they were talking about all the legends are going to be there and Arn Anderson. And I go, dude, I go, Arn Anderson's going to get in the ring. He's going to hit somebody with a spine buster. And it's going to be the biggest pop of the night. And he was like, oh, yeah. what? He goes, what are you talking about? And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, they're in horseman country. Arn can still do a, a spine buster. Second match on the show, I think it was. Arn got in there, spine buster to Ziggler. And the crowd went crazy. And I'm telling you right now, there is no way we're not going to have all out without Arn Anderson on that show. And he's going to take somebody out with a spine buster. If there was one moment that should have ended Undertaker's streak, if not what happened, it should have been the moment when Arn Anderson got in the ring during the Ric Flair match and effortlessly nailed him with that spine buster. He does it so great. And then he just picks him up and like he pivots his hips so crisply, just boom and just plants him. And like, and the, the best part too was not only did he hit him with that, but he had just enough time behind the referee's back to like jump up and do the whole yeah with his arm real quick. And then he slid out of the ring and the crowd just went crazy. And I mean, when was the last time we had seen Arn Anderson get physical? You know, at that mm. point. But uh, I think I think Arn's going to be on that show. I think at that point, his contract with WWE and that waiting period will be over. And I think he is going to be either he's going to be in Cody's corner or he's going to get involved in that match. Where because I mean, the whole thing was Tully said we can only have one person in a corner, and Arn is going to get involved behind the referee's back, and maybe he will spine buster Cody, and that's how he loses that match. Something like that. Could be. That's my Could prediction. Uh, one more uh, promotion we have to get to before we get to uh, your questions. We've got New Japan Pro Wrestling this weekend. The, uh, the G1's finally coming to an end. As we're sitting here right now uh, on Wednesday night, first thing on Thursday morning is we're going to get the, uh, the B Block and their next to last night. And then, as if we didn't have enough wrestling already this weekend, uh, Saturday morning will be the final A block show. Sunday morning will be the final B block show. Monday morning, after you are done with SummerSlam and how long that show will be and a long weekend of wrestling, you get the finals to the G1. Uh, as we sit right now, though, the A block is basically figured out. It will be Okada against Ibushi Saturday morning. The winner will make it to the finals. Okada has 14 points. Ibushi has 12. But if Ibushi gets the win, it will he will win via tiebreaker because he beat the man in their one-on-one -on -one match. If the match goes to a draw, a countout, a disqualification, no, not even a disqualification. If, if it's a double countout or a draw, Okada goes to the finals. The only way Abushi can get to the finals is if he beats Okada. On the B block, we'll have a little bit more of the picture straightened out after Thursday morning. Moxley has 10 points, and then JY, Ishii, Goto, and Naito all have eight points. So they're all still in the running. Mm -hmm. I believe they're still but in the running. Only White can win a tiebreaker right so it, there's a there's a whole mess that's going on there right now just know this thursday morning juice is taking on jay goto is taking on moxley those are the big matches there um ishii's taking on takagi but ishii's basically out of it because of the tiebreakers and then on sunday morning it's juice against moxley 
Goto's taking on Takagi and Jay White's taking on Naito. So we're coming down to the final days and it's still up in the air. Abushi against Okada. I'm, I'm glad that they kind of got that figured out the way that they did. At this point, I, I thought all along in this tournament that Okada was going to win. Now I'm at the point where I really think Abushi's probably going to beat Okada and he's going to go to the finals. Yeah, and if... I don't know. It's hard to say. Because I still think that... the they And they keep mentioning it on commentary, the idea of the champion winning. Like it's, it's something that they... It's an idea that they have not dropped. I guess the reason why I think that is because when I look at the B block, and nothing gets the talent there, but I'm sitting there going, who from the B block could I see actually winning the finals and being the right opponent for Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. And the other way than I, Moxley? Other than Moxley. And I don't think it can be Moxley just because of his AEW contract. So He kind of hinted in a recent interview that he might have a little bit of a leeway to go work for him yeah. in certain situations. And I think something like, hey, you just got to show up at Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe, but I don't know if they would want to put him in that kind of a feature match at Wrestle Kingdom. Like, he could be there, but not a match of that stature. I don't know. They, they, they did it with Jericho. They yeah. did it with, with they did it with Omega when they knew he was on his way out. Well, they had to because he was the champion. They could have gotten the title off him before then. Well, it makes sense to get it off him on the biggest show, though. With Jericho, he wasn't under contract with AEW at the time, but it feels like the most attractive matches for Okada at Wrestle Kingdom are probably guys from the A block, and the biggest one is is Ibushi. You know, Abushi, Abushi, Kenta. Even though people hate Kenta, I don't know why. And Sonata, or even Osprey, but I, I don't think they're ready to do the Osprey Okada match for the championship on, at Wrestle Kingdom. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think Osprey has done enough in this tournament to have Okada win this and say, "I handpick you." Like I don't think New Japan wants to do that. You know what I call them? Cowards. I'd love to see it, but I just don't think they're going to do it. And with Abushi signing a long-term contract, this could be Abushi's moment to finally win the the championship. That he wins the match against Okada, he wins the finals against whoever, probably Moxley, I guess, and maybe somebody else, and then maybe it'll be Jay White, and then we get Abushi and Okada at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. As much as it would make sense, I just uh, enjoyed Moxley so much that I don't want to see him lose. And we saw him lose to Toriano. It, it, through questionable means. For, also, I kind of want Shooter to show up at All Out. Oh, do you now? I do, because I love the duo of those two, where Moxley just terrifies the poor boy. Well, Moxley was on a tear, and then he lost two matches in a row. He... He lost to Toriano, and then he lost to Jay White. Both of them uh, under suspicious means, shall we say. I, ha- I haven't watched White Moxley yet. This week's been hell. Okay. I got to catch up on that one. And um, by the way, wait until... Did you see the Ibushi-Tanahashi match? I did not. You will love that. And wait until you see Naito against Shingo Takagi. I've heard that one's a real slobber knock. It's ridiculously good. And Sonata against Okada as well, which came down to the wire. Yeah, Sonata finally getting a win uh, over Okada. That's a, that's a big deal. And he did it with 12 seconds left to go in the match. 
I mean, they, they, they did this whole thing too, where they're like one minute left. And instead of everybody kind of scrambling and going for pins, it's just like, they're both exhausted. And like, oh, God, what, what can I do? They're still selling. And everybody's like, Oh, it's going to go to a draw. It's going to go to a draw. And then Sonata hits a moonsault, you know, to his back. And then he turns him over and he hits another moonsault and he gets the win. I have a whole thing about Sonata's finishing sequence, but we've got questions to get to. We've got questions, and hopefully we have some answers as well. So everybody can leave your questions for us on our Facebook page. Go to facebook.com backslash between the ropes. I put the post up there, and you can leave your questions right there, and we will answer them here on the podcast. So let's start off with, let's start off with Francis, who, this is kind of a funny question. Um. Do you think they should have changed the name of the next Crown Jewel pay-per-view to Halloween Havoc? <laughs> wah, wah. No. You don't like that idea? Do not disgrace the good name of Halloween Havoc with that whole thing. There was a good name that was associated with Halloween Havoc? 1998 Halloween Havoc. What happened at that one? Goldberg DDP, which many consider to be the best match ever. People that I talk to who are WCW fans, I know. The best match it's a, ever. It's a good match, but it's not the best match ever. But I've had people try to argue with me that it is the best match ever. In WCW history or ever, ever? That, so I, I, I once had a man argue to me that wrestling peaked with that match. Mm, that's mm. Not, a, not an opinion I agree with. That might have been the same guy that the day after WrestleMania 30 in new Orleans that somehow I struck up a conversation with this guy and he went on to tell me that he saw online and he knows it's true that Vince McMahon was, um, mad at both the undertaker and Brock Lesnar. Cause that's not how the match was supposed to go, which I, I thought was fantastic. Was that yeah. That, that guy was fantastic. He was setting me straight too. It was great. He, he knew it all. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, do you think we will see Pyro when Goldberg comes out to the ring at SummerSlam? Yeah, you got to see Pyro for Goldberg. Come on. Did they have Pyro in his last run? I think so. I don't. I don't think they did. I think you at least got the sparklers, right? I I don't remember. That man, that that year of wrestling was just so unmemorable. Hmm. I think there's going to be some Pyro at SummerSlam. I mean, it's not going to be WrestleMania or. Saudi Arabia level pyro, but I think we're going to get some. I hope we get some. Yeah, we'll see. Do you think we'll see a set redesign for both Raw and SmackDown? And on a side note, would you like to see the fist come back to SmackDown? Hell yes. <laughs> you want the SmackDown fist? Yes, I need. I need something that differentiates the SmackDown set from the Raw set, and we haven't had that in over a decade. So everybody heard it. Connor wants to be fisted. Hey. What did I say? What I do with fists are my business only. I don't know if we're going to get a huge set redesign. I, I think the SmackDown set will be redesigned. I don't know about the Raw one. And even then, I don't think it's going to be like something crazy. Maybe, maybe it will be. Right now, it makes sense to keep the set so similar because... They're on back-to-back nights. It's the same production crew. This is going to be different because one show's on Monday and one show's on Friday. 
So, oh, by the way, didn't they announce the schedule now for, or we kind of know what the schedule is going to be for each town or for each brand? Like, um, if you're on Raw, you're going to be doing house shows like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you do Raw. And then if you're on SmackDown, you'll do a house show on a Thursday. You do SmackDown on Friday, and then you do house shows on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, it's it sounds like it's a inverted weekend. So no more house shows on a Monday night, but they'll do some on Thursday nights. Sure. I, sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, Steven Minahan asks, um, how have WWE and Seth Rollins managed to completely douse the red hot character he had to the point where people are cheering Brock or sitting on their hands on raw because Seth doesn't manage to look brave or heroic and simply manages to look like a moron for going after Brock hurt. They, it's a combination of, of them overthinking it and him saying things on social media and in interviews that a lot of people don't agree with. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to the whole thing of, you know, this is the way WWE wants to tell that story. And it's, he's got to come overcome the odds, like ridiculous odds at this point. And I don't, I don't think it helps Seth. I mean, he's got to walk out there like Frankenstein on Monday, you know, this past week with that chair and he still got pummeled. So I don't don't think that does him any favors. And I don't think it does going into the match. Um, Will Matt Riddle's comments on Twitter aimed at veterans get him in any heat with management? For anybody who hasn't seen it, Riddle has continued to call Goldberg, who he does not like, and he called out Chris Jericho and Lance Storm this past week. Yeah, and also there was that thing with Booker where he's like, hey, Booker, we're cool. I like that. Yeah. But and then Booker was, Booker. Like, Do- Booker was like, don't call out old people to <laughs> yeah. a real fight. It's not going to end well. And I'm like, hey, you know, the thing about Riddle is that he can probably murder half of the locker room without thinking about it. Yeah. But you never know which one you cross that's accidentally got that old man strength. He got feisty in his comments with Jericho. I mean, he was just like, I will beat your ass. He probably could. Oh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not putting down Jericho and Jericho is a tough guy. If we've seen, but but Jericho's also a smart guy and he knows that when he put out that video doing the cross-eyed thing, that it was going to get attention. Right. And by the way, speaking of riddle, the video of him throwing out the first pitch at the Tampa Bay Rays game, barefoot, mind you, and then doing a flying cross body on their mascot was fantastic. That was the good stuff. I really wonder if the mascot knew that was coming. And there's one of the players that's standing there looking, just kind of look over his shoulder and look back at everybody going, that dude just got killed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dan Rhino asks, if you could book one or two surprise signings to debut at the AEW TV premiere, who would it be? LAX and Johnny, I guess we'll call him Elite now. That's got a good ring to it. Johnny Elite. John Morrison, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact. Uh, Johnny, Bla- Johnny Blackcraft when he showed up at a Blackcraft event. That was so metal. <laughs> uh, I think um, I think Neville would be a nice uh, appearance on that show. But he's technically under contract right now. Is he? Yeah. Cody, Cody confirmed that uh, a few months back. And he's still under contract on their website. He's listed as one of their stars. Yeah. But I mean, he hasn't appeared on AEW television and he doesn't have, but he also doesn't have the title that may or may not have had a role in him not appearing in the first place. That's why I say like he could, he could show up on that, on that show. That would be, and it also depends how the American visa offices are operating in October. 
Right. So um, I think those would be Ooh, the best bet. Who's to say? Yeah. Um, Alas Sharif asks, um, there's been news about Impact Wrestling still in talks with Access TV, but getting on their channel. Do you think this is feasible? And if not, why don't they just broadcast their show on YouTube like MLW does? Mm. I don't think they're going to end up on Access TV. The talk was that their parent company was actually trying to buy Access, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. With what money? I have no idea, man. I mean, I look at this whole thing like, number one, why the hell did you buy Impact Wrestling? And you did it for that cost and incurring all of their debt as well. Plus, you had to totally ditch everything you were doing with Fight Network and get rid of everything that was going on there, like all of the different hosts, all the talent and everything. And you turned it basically over to impact wrestling in thinking we can revive this brand. And we had this video library and that hasn't happened where it's become profitable. And now they don't really, they're struggling to find TV. I, if you put it on YouTube, you're not making any money off of that. And not they, unless you had like a YouTube red deal, which I don't think they would be interested in. Yeah, so that's not going to happen. I don't know where they're making money right now. I mean, they, they keep handing out contracts to people, and I'm like, where the hell are you getting the money for that? Like, they just signed Rhino to, like, a three-year deal. I will say this. There are two venue avenues that I'm surprised a wrestling network, wrestling company has not gone yet. YouTube Red and Netflix. Sure. I'm, I'm legitimately surprised that a product has not tried the Netflix route of taping a, a series of 10 episodes and releasing them on a weekend for a binge. Do you think when it comes to Netflix, that's because Netflix isn't interested in pro wrestling or a wrestling they, promotion they, hasn't tried it enough? Well, they had Lucha Underground's first couple seasons on there. Yeah. Which a lot of, which a lot of people really enjoyed it. Cause especially with that promotion, that's a great way to watch it. Oh yeah. Because of the storytelling that we're doing there. And on top of that, you got glow which is one of their more successful original shows, which you got to, which you got to imagine has some crossover with wrestling. Sure. And the new season of glow drops on Friday on Friday. Indeed it does. I actually have an interview with one of its stars, Brittany young up on comicbook.com right now. See that easy transition into a plug. That was nice. Uh, do you think members of the new heart foundation could ever join AEW? Sure. Why not? Sure. I'm, I, I know. They will, they absolutely, I don't know if they want him right now, but I know that the person that they should be looking at is Brian Pillman Jr. Oh yeah, go, absolutely. Go get that boy. Go get him now. And he also asked some, what happens if Okada, who is the IWGP champion, ends up actually winning the G1? Who gets to challenge him at Wrestle Kingdom? If he wins, he gets to pick his opponent at Wrestle Kingdom. That's mm -hmm. the way that, that works. And that's happened two times before. Don't if ask me smart, exactly when, but I know it's happened smart, twice. He'll pick a young lion or yeah. Toro Yano. <laughs> uh, let's see. Mark Tracy has, I've noticed little by little that the pile driver is making its way back into WWE. Adam Cole used it, uh, used his version in NXT uh, on raw. Ray Mysterio used it in his match with Andrade. Even Corey Graves acknowledged the move as a pile driver. I thought this move was banned from WWE with all the head and neck injuries. Thoughts? What's interesting is it's not the pile driver. It's the rolling pile driver that yeah. they're letting come back, the, which you would think would hurt more. But he couldn't think. keep he, Ray broke it out twice on Andrade and couldn't keep him down. 
I think that they're bringing it back just because they trust guys to be a little safer and just because you don't see it that often. And I'm sure they probably have to get it cleared before they do it. But the reaction that comes with a pile driver, because we haven't seen it for so long in WWE. And, and it's, it's, it's not, they're not doing like a gotch pile driver, like what Suzuki does. Yeah. And they're not doing the straight up lift you up and just drop you like that punk Cena match from like 13 that got punk fined. Yeah. Where they just out in the, in the middle of a match out of nowhere, they just broke out a pile driver and everybody was like, what the? And I, I jumped out of my chair. That was, that's a great match. It's a great match. Yeah. That was one of those, uh, go back to Don raw and you can find that. And it was fantastic. By the way, God, I can't remember what year it was. The, the 50, 55 minute long match that, uh, Cena had with Shawn Michaels on raw that one year mm-hmm. God, in that, London. Yeah. That out was of, amazing. That was when they were numbering their matches. It was like Cena Michaels too. Yeah, that was like, fantastic. I mean, it was it was after the WrestleMania match, and the yeah. Mania match was okay, but that Raw match was just killer. Uh, let's wrap up with this. Bill Dixon asks, "How will the wrestling war be affected when Vince has to focus on the XFL?" Now, ain't that just a billion dollar question? Mm, literally. I'm not sure. I mean, it's it is way too early to tell because if you ask him, he'll tell you he can do both. The man doesn't sleep. So well, he he won't have any he, in his mind, I'm sure he he believes he doesn't he will not have any trouble juggling both things. Whether or not that is legitimately true, we'll find out. There's not enough hours in the day for him to do what he wants to do with both shows. He will try to find a way. I just don't know how he's going to do that. And the issue also is not just when it comes to Vince, but with some of the other people that are going to be involved in both, because you can't tell me that there aren't people that aren't doing both WWE and XFL. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. not going to be as many people as it was before, but there's going to be some people doing both. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of it comes down to not just the whole, you know, how involved is he going to be with both of them and how many hours are in the day, but it's going to come down to how much does he trust other people to do creative for WWE or does he literally say, uh, I am more needed in WWE. I can hand over the reins to the XFL a little bit more to other people. I don't know. And may- maybe that was what the Heyman and Bischoff hires were for was to help with the WWE side of things. Maybe not. Who the heck knows? You know, as we look at that right now, and I know Eric Bischoff is still kind of getting up to speed when it comes to the content, but it sure sounds like he hasn't been involved in anything so far. And, you know, Eric even said, like, everybody's wrong about my role kind of a thing, even though WWE put out that press release. So I don't know. I mean, when it comes to those hirings, I almost wonder if that was in some ways, especially for the Bischoff one, just kind of like, Let's put this out there so Wall Street thinks we're trying to do something here. And it doesn't mean they're not doing any work, but it's not as big of a deal as we're making out to be because it's still going to be the same formula, the same people, the same decision makers that are involved in the process. It's way too early to call. Before we get out of here, any movies this week? Any TV that we want to mention real quick? Well, Any glow drops Friday. Yep. 
I will not spoil it, but I would recommend watching it. Did you already watch it? Perhaps. Did you watch the entire season already? Perhaps. That's a yes. Who is to say, Brian? Certainly not I. Mm, okay. So Glow is happening. Oh, gee. There's a few shows I need to catch up on. Um, but I'm not going to have any time for that because I'm going to be live covering NXT TakeOver Toronto and SummerSlam. Well, I'm going to be doing live coverage of both of those events as well. Uh, and I think I'm doing something early next week about the G1. Everybody can look for it. I, I think I'm doing something like best matches on the G1, something like that. And who the hell knows what else? Maybe I'll do some other kind of recap thing on, on G1. It's Just list Okada Osprey 10 times. I would love to do that. Or I'd like to put that like Shingo against Naito and um, Ibushi Moxley, Tanahashi. Moxley versus uh, Ishii. Ishii. Yeah. Well, I already did one list. And it was like top matches so far. So now I've got to figure out like, okay, what other matches might usurp those, you know, or where does everything kind of fit in? So I got to do that. Uh, I was going to ask you real quick. So it doesn't come out this week. The next week, are you interested in seeing that movie? Good boys. Uh, if it gets good reviews, that's the thing with comedies is not, there's nothing worse than seeing a bad one. That show's and, messed up. That that movie, I mean, for anybody who hasn't seen the trailers for it, it's about these 12, 13 year old boys. They're going to a party and just, uh, I guess a lot of weird, crazy, wacky things happen. You're starting to see the trailer for it more and more on TV. And it like these kids are not old enough to go see the movie they're in because it's like yeah. a hard R. Like, that's the running joke, is that, ha-ha, these kids can't get tickets to the movie that they're in. Right. I, that's I have a weird fascination with it. I, I want to see it. But also, next um, uh, week from Friday on Netflix, season two of Mindhunters drops. Ooh. Yes. Which I found out. Did you tell me this about Manson? Yeah, Manson's in it. It's the same yeah, actor from Once Upon a Time. Same actor, yeah. By the way, I did go see Once Upon a Time again in 35 millimeter print. Worth it. And I'm probably going to go see it in 35 millimeter print on Friday. Good call. I I don't know if they do this with his releases now, but I hope that when the Blu-ray comes out, they've got both versions. Oh, and by the way, if this coming weekend isn't busy enough when it comes to your wrestling content, if you are interested in it and if you are into the show, episode one of season two of Succession drops on HBO. That's another show I need to, I need to, God, I need to catch up on Better Call Saul and Legion and Preacher. Succession is the, the show. Like, Succession I, is up there and Euphoria here is good. But it's messed up. There's, there's a lot of male yeah. nudity in that, in that show. Okay. So okay. just prepare yourself. In Succession or in Euphoria? Euphoria. Those, those kids are all like in high school. Um, since you do not know the story about this, there is one scene where I believe there are as many as um, 30 penises on the screen at one time. Mm. So I just I just want to warn you. I don't want you to be shell-shocked. I haven't seen but it enough yet, about, but I heard but about it. about your normal Tuesday. hey <laughs> And by the way, if you watch the session, like the first season, I watched the first episode. And I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. I went back to it weeks later watched it again and then watched the next couple of episodes and i was totally hooked 
So, and that it's a really good show. Basically, it's kind of it's loosely based on like the Murdoch family running the Fox Empire and what happens when the leader uh, might leave and who in the family would take over is basically what that shows about. But it's it's really good. Brian Cox is uh, one of the lead characters, kind of the guy that the the head of the family and uh, does a really good job. Everybody does a really good job. It's a messed up show in a lot of different ways, too. Like uh, Macaulay Culkin's brother is in this, and oh, yeah. he is not exactly um, a redeemable character. He he has no problem knowing that he is just a nasty, down in the mud, who cares about me kind of guy. It's fantastic. On that note, we'll wrap it up. Hope everybody uh, locks in for a huge weekend of wrestling. There's plenty of it for everybody that's out there you can go to comicbook.com in the wwe section to keep up with all connor's coverage and the rest of the team over there and you can follow my coverage over on sporting news follow connor on social media it's connor casey underscore cb i'm on twitter at brian fritz and of course you can check out at between the ropes as well make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast at whether it's on itunes or actually iTunes is going away. Your Apple products, your Android devices, and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review as always. Thanks, everybody. We will catch up with you next week, and we'll have plenty to talk about when it comes to this busy weekend of wrestling. Catch you then. Peace.